Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Adam Wilkes. He is co-founder and CEO at Tyson 2.0. We're going to talk, obviously, about cannabis and brands and really where we are as an industry. I think this is a fascinating conversation around where we are in terms of evolving uh, the sort of sophistication of the industry as, as things grow, things mature. Obviously, this whole kind of building brands and building things that are really going to help customers navigate uh, the world of cannabis products and understanding kind of what's out there and building trust and building you know affinity towards different cannabis brands is going to be really a big part of the next couple of years. So with that, Adam, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. Excited. Before we kind of dive into everything with Tyson 2.0, give us a little background. How'd you get into this? How'd you get into cannabis? What's the backstory here? So, so yeah, long story short, it's been, um, I started actually in the food space with SPE, through private equity, working with brands like Cold Stone and Yogenfruz and uh, Pinkberry. Then we built, you know, built that up to about uh, 80, or 18 plus fast food brands, which we sold over to Kahala Brands. From there, we started investing in cannabis. So went from M&A in the food world 
again, acquiring all different licensed and franchise food brands into a similar model in the cannabis space. It started with one of our first, with SPE, their first investment in Canada with Afria, which then led to Florida, which brought us to California, obviously the the heart and the, the yeah. most mature market in the cannabis world, right? This is 2015. We started looking at some of the top brands in their category. So, you know, the number one beverage, the number one edible, and started doing investments or acquiring these guys. Built up uh, about 15 plus cannabis brands before starting in the retail world. Then I started with the Saruya family, the one plant chain in California, opened the first mm-hmm. dispensary here, co-founded that, built that up to nine dispensaries, which worked as a platform for all, you know, the dozen plus brands that we had invested in or partnered on. Continued to grow that. And a few years later, I, I actually met Chad Bronstein, who's chair and co-founder of Tyson 2.0. He's the owner, CEO, and founder of Philo. You're familiar with Philo, right, Bruce? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So me and him built a really great relationship. We've become great friends, and I, we started investing together. So I invested in Philo. Then he, he approached me, knowing my net, the network that I have and my history in the space, um, and it was like, Adam, I mean, listen, I couldn't ask for a better CEO. I, I would love for you to come over and help me relaunch Mike's brand. As Chad and myself were both working with Mike on Wasana. Wasana is a psychedelic company using psychedelics okay. yeah. for sports-induced injuries, run by Daniel Carcillo, two-time Stanley Cup champion and now CEO of Wasana. So Mike came on there as a an advocate, ambassador, and partner for Wasana, which then led to these conversations. And again, I've watched, it, there were some concerns for me at first because, you know, I watched so many celebrity brands launch in the cannabis yeah. world as you're, you know, I'm very familiar with, right? We've seen Lil Wayne, we've seen Jay-Z yep. with Monogram. Um, there's been tons and tons, the list goes on. And a lot of them, again, I love these guys. I love the brand. A lot of them just haven't got the traction due to, in my opinion, the authenticity. Some of these guys were launching brands and and weren't actually cannabis users or weren't. Yeah, exactly. Right? Really behind behind the the culture of the brand and really what it it stands for and the purpose of what we're we're all doing this for, plant-based medicine, right? We're trying to get plant-based medicine to the masses and, and people in need. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious because I think this is at the heart of this kind of brand issue. How, how much do you feel it's this, yeah, I guess kind of authenticity or intention, like, you know, who is coming into the market, like what their background or history is with cannabis? How much of this is just timing, right? Given everything that's happened in the last couple of years. And then how much of this is sort of strategy? It's like, okay, executing well on building a cannabis brand. Like, give me give me your take on, on which of those things are really influencing the success of some of these brands. So the, the major success, how Tyson 2.0 became the largest brand in the world by geographic coverage. Um, I think there's two parts to it. One, what you just touched point on is, and, and I keep using this word, but authenticity. Yeah. Mike himself, Tyson, has been a lot. He's he's been a longtime advocate for cannabis, yeah. and he's honestly he's just been really candid about the benefits of the plant and the impact it's had on his own life and how it's affected his family. And he says it in all his interviews. His his wife and kids, they want him to use cannabis. It makes him a better <laughs> person. <laughs> it's, I mean, again, it's a medicine for his own mental health. And yeah. for that reason, I think a lot of people connect to Mike. He's real about it. And again, they, they see the authenticity there. That's one part of it. Where a lot of other brands, there is just a celebrity putting their name on it without that same organic, authentic, yeah. you know, story. Mike's in the markets. I mean, uh, 420, I had him in three different states. 
you know, he's there, he's in there, he people person, right? He's he's out there. He, we were in Michigan for 20, a 20,000 person event and then San Francisco for 40,000. I mean, he's there, he'll walk the crowds and 40,000 people in San Francisco at Hippie Hill. Mike got down and walked through the entire crowd right in the middle. Yeah. Again, he's, he's it's the authenticity. The second yeah. part I got to attribute to Chad Bronstein and myself and the networks that we've built over the last yeah. half dozen years in this space and all the MSOs that we have relationships. And again, between those two parts, the authenticity, the network, again, it's just been a home run and I'm blessed and thankful for all the support that we've had to get us to this point today. Yeah. Is timing an issue? I mean, as you look at what's happened over the last couple of years, you know, some of these brands that, you know, try to try to kind of get out of the gate sooner, you know, versus, you know, during pandemic, I don't know if we're really post pandemic or late, late pandemic, like how, how has timing kind of impacted some of these, you know, some of these efforts? So in the cannabis world, timing has been, I mean, that's an interesting point because it's been a bit of a roller coaster. You, you know, you've seen yeah. it over the last six years. I mean, the ups, the downs, the crash in 19, you know, we're going through it again right now. Yeah, timing plays a huge part. But I think if you stick to your brand and you're authentic, you're real and and again, just no BS, you're, you're going to connect to the people, you need to be part of that culture. And again, yes, timing does play a part. But I think I think with the right with the right authentic partner, the right networks, Again, just bringing high quality product at the right price to the consumer, you're doing everything that you can to, to ensure the success of, of your cannabis brand. Yeah. Um, so let me dig on that last point um, in terms of, you know, getting high quality product. How have you approached the whole sourcing supply? Like, how have you gone about making sure that you have a, a high quality cannabis product or, or the, you know, the cannabis product that has the qualities and characteristics, attributes that you really want in terms of going to market. Tell us a little bit about that process. How have you navigated that? So for us, it's been, obviously it's a challenge, right? It's not the same as a Pinkberry that I can open in 42 countries and send yeah. powdered yogurt around the world to ensure everybody's got the same flavor. Um, it is more of a challenge. So we do spend our time, you know, we're in some places like Canada, we, we could have launched, you know, a couple months ago, but we've taken our time to ensure that we're going with the best quality flour we could find, right? You know better than any, there's dozens of LPs in Canada with millions of square feet of cultivation that we've spoken to and talked about, you know, partnering with. And the revenues would have been there, which would have been great. But the quality, a lot of these guys that are building, you know, million square foot plus facilities, you can never, you're never going to get the same quality that you're going to get out of a small 2,500 square foot indoor room where you could control the environment, humidity level, everything about that, the plant and and the way it, whether you're playing music to it, whatever you got to do. So, <laughs> no, I'm being serious. A Massaging lot of guys, the, the leaves the fre- every, every evening. Yeah. The frequencies, it. it's, it's funny because they do oh, yeah. play a factor. I mean, some of the best weed in the world that I have seen and smoked. Um, these guys are in there, you know, raking it, their, their dirt and playing, you know, <laughs> different music and the way the plant vibes to it. It's a living thing, right? Oh, yeah. No, I totally get it. I agree. So back on Canada, instead of going with one of the big guys, we actually we partnered with, I'm not sure if you saw the press release, but with a smaller yeah. cultivator, craft grower okay. called Purple Farms Genetics. Okay. And we went with them for that exact reason. It was the best weed we could find in Canada. Now, I can't scale the same way I could have if I went with Tilray or Canopy. Um, yeah. But I will go to the markets with the highest quality product that I came across in Canada. 
and I did again. I'm born and raised in Canada, so I I yeah. smoked, you know, and and tried, you know, you everybody's know, you weed. know the market. Yes, and and real excited about that partnership, you know, to be able yeah. to find a weed in Canada that tests thirty to thirty five percent with a two percent plus terpene profile. Um, yeah, we're really excited about it. Now, is that? I mean, is that part of the brand strategy for Tyson Tupano? Be a little bit more niche, a little bit more, you know, find, you know, more, more unique product, even if it's limited availability or, or even keep it limited availability, you know, just, just to be able to kind of own that premium space or like how I'm, I'm just kind of curious how your thinking and strategy has played out in terms of, you know, choosing, you know, choosing some of these growers and the limited nature of it. Is that a limit or is that an intention? No, it's a limit. For the time being, until these guys grow, expand on their facilities, but again, there's there's only a, so much they can expand on before they lose sight of yeah. the purpose Practical. of what, why we signed with them in the first place because of their craft, high quality cannabis products. Now, the other issue we're having in a lot of a lot of the U.S. states is the demand, be, you know, outperforming the okay. um, just the supply. So there's there's a few states that we just can't keep up with the demand. Due to sticking with that high quality flour, we're unable to fill, you know, the the hundred thousand bags that, that that I need for the month. Unfortunately, I can do you know twenty five percent of it. Let's say, so we're working to keep up with the demand. You know, add additional licensing cultivation partners in the states where needed, so that again we can keep bringing Tyson two cannabis products to you know consumers in need and and just consumers that want to connect with Mike himself and yeah. products that he tries because everything that we roll out, Mike gets to touch himself first. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Mike and I will hang out every, you know, on Sundays and he'll come by and we'll go through the new products for, you know, the one I'm really excited about is our new edibles. I'm sure you've seen the Mike bites here, uh-huh. <laughs> which yeah. just went viral. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It is uh well played. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. So the gummies, I mean, another, again, that's, Back on what we were just touching on, I can't keep up with the demand on those. So um, we're we're running as fast as we can, but again, the demand is much greater than the supply on those, especially because we created a uh, gluten-free, vegan, no animal product, um, yeah. a, a limited ingredient gummy. It's a little tougher to scale, uh, high volume, but again, we're bringing a quality product to our consumers. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. But I was going to ask you, I mean, given given the you know the level of demand that you have, I mean, from a just kind of a decision making point of view, are are you foregoing potential you know kind of profit you know keep, keeping things you know super profitable in in order to kind of capture market share or kind of keep up with demand? I mean, are you are you having to kind of increase expenses or doing things that may not be super operationally efficient? You know, still keeping a quality product, but but opting towards the let's keep our supply increasing so that we can meet market demand or, you know, taking a more frugal kind of financial approach to this in terms of continuing to kind of keep operations super efficient, even if it restricts some of your growth opportunities. Yeah, I think it's a balance between the two. I mean, we are hiring at a rapid pace right now. So we did just announce last week our new CMO, Jackie, who we just brought over from Anheuser-Busch. Interesting. Yeah, we have a a few new lead sales. We have a new head of national accounts. So the team is ever growing. We are only six months in, so we still are in our infancy yeah. here. Uh, but we did start small coming from the food space and, and 
buying de-stressed assets and cleaning them up. I've I've watched many massive corporations, you know, come and go. Oh, yeah. So I'll I want to ensure and uh, I will make sure my uh, Tyson 2.0 is you know always profitable and continuing yeah. on the right path to success as as yeah. we grow. But yes, it's a balance of ensuring you have the right manpower for the growth as as we roll out 20 plus states now. Um, yeah. I think I could say we're the only cannabis brand that has that many executed. And again, just, just really excited about the, the continued growth of the brand. Yeah. You know, so you mentioned you brought on some new people. It sounds like some heavy hitters. Like, where are you finding this talent? You mentioned Andizer Bush. I mean, are you finding folks from other industries? Are you finding people within cannabis that have this experience? Like, what's been your kind of talent strategy in amassing your, your leadership? So what I loved about Jackie, who came from Anheuser Bush, one is just the professionalism and the expertise in, in corporate America. I mean, running one of the largest yeah. beverage brands, you know, on the planet. We couldn't have found a better fit. I mean, she's a being a cannabis user and connected to the culture as well is, in my opinion, like finding a unicorn because there is there's tons of great guys I've spoken to from Pepsi and all these other massive companies to bring in, but they just don't have that same. There's this cannabis culture that you need to have some connection with. I mean, if yeah. you're not if you're not in there, it unfortunately it just I feel you. Not part of the can. At least for the Tyson 2.0 family, we are trying to keep it real, authentic, and again, I don't want to become just a a corporate giant. We want to be the real deep, you know, connected to the culture company that that we came out the gate with, and I think that attributes a lot of our success. Attributes to that due to again just just being connected, um, yeah. and it shows at our events when we're at Hippie Hill. You know, we had the largest line. We had. We were the number one brand there as far as just uh, demand. Number one sold product there uh, was our Mike Bites. And the crowd, again, just seeing Mike get up on stage there. It's, and that's one of the most cultured, I think, cannabis events uh, of the year. So, sure. But yes, there are, you know, there is our non-THC side of the business where we do have our deal with Futurola, where we sell Tyson 2.0 rolling papers and, and uh, blunts that are non-THC across the nation and world in smoke shops and gas stations and so on. That is more of a, a that I can see more of a, a Pepsi or a, a somebody that's already working with the 7-Elevens and so on come on board to to handle, but that would be non-plant touching. So yeah. it'd be stuff like our Futurola deal, the G-Pen deal that we did with Student Glass and G-Pen or the CBD, we're coming out the gate with CBD products. So we'll have Mike Bites oh, ears yeah. in the CBD world. So that, mm -hmm. again, if you're in a state that's non-THC legal, you'll be able to still access Mike Bites, just, again, non-psychoactive. Yeah. And, and what, I mean, as you look at kind of the talent that's needed to really bring a business like this, you know, successfully to market and grow it and scale it, like what are the big talent, I guess, issues, limits, you know, dearths that we have? Like where, where are you seeing the need in terms of you know what what it's going to take to really scale the business. Honestly, I mean we're we're scaling. We're twenty states and international with our Canada licensing mm -hmm. agreement. Um, for us, it's again just continuing in the execution. For us, it's more the operations. I mean, I got twenty states now to roll out. We've done eleven of them to date in the last five months, and mm -hmm. again, just the manpower to be in all these places. And again, the quality control, the sales, um, the sell through, you know, the field marketing team, these are all departments that are ever growing. And again, rapidly, 
again, even on our calls this morning, we had three new hires on the field marketing team. So yeah, we're, we're ever growing. We'll continue to expand on all fronts. I think we have a very strong executive and, and senior team. And it's now really just focusing on focusing on the expansion and rollout of, of what we currently have on our plate. Perfect. You know, you're, you're in 20 markets now and, you know, I'm sure each one of those is quite different, right? I mean, I know the markets are quite different. I'm sure you've had to navigate differences. I mean, what have been sort of the big challenges or the things you've had to kind of figure out, you know, running such a broad multi-state brand, you know, there are all, there are all sorts of nuances, regulatory issues, market structure issues. Like what have you kind of noticed around the U.S. market? So, yeah, the regulatory and compliance side has probably been the biggest hurdle for us as every state has its own rules and regs as you're aware of not to mention just the approval process there's some states where you can package your product you get it going you follow the guidelines and you're ready to go to shelf in six weeks there's other states that can take six months just to get you approval places like florida new jersey even vegas you're submitting packaging and waiting for state approval if they got too much stuff on their desk sit back and wait. Yeah. <laughs> so again, the, the rules and regs are, are a huge hurdle, but I, I'm very for it. Again, agree with it all. I think, I think keeping this, keeping this industry tight and, and ensuring that again, you're giving tested high quality product yeah. to consumers is, is a huge, huge, huge thing. And for Tyson 2.0 and for myself, and again, just ensuring customers are getting again, just clean product. Yeah. yeah. If I gave you a magic wand and you could change, you know, anything about sort of the the structure, regulatory side of the industry, you know, while, while keeping the kind of high quality, high consumer safety, what are things that you see that are just like not really helpful, but, but onerous in terms of a business operation that you'd love to change? Two major, major hurdles. And I mean, these are high, high, high level. The Safe Banking mm-hmm. Act. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many more years I'm going to continue to say it's not an if, it's a when. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been saying that for too long. And again, it's, it's to be, we're paying taxes. I, I, you know, there's 15 billion plus dollars in this industry. Yeah. You know, there's so many tax dollars. There's so much being spent. I mean, we pay to put our money in a bank. You got to pay to have the cash picked up at the store. I mean, most companies are spending six figures a month just to bank their money. Oh, yeah. Which, which is, if not millions, which is absolutely insane when, when it's a product that they're charging tax dollars for. So the Safe Banking Act, and I mean, that's obviously first, but second to that would be the just federal legalization. I still think there should be interstate, you know, every state yeah. should have their own rules and regs. I completely agree with that. But federal legalization needs to happen. And I mean, that that parlays into, you know. People that are yeah. sitting in prison for cannabis, nonviolent cannabis charges that, yeah. that again, we're all making money on and paying taxes on now just blows my mind and frustrates the hell out oh, of Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's totally uh, uh, and, inappropriate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> the fact that we've got this industry yeah. based on this. Absolutely. And, and again, it's groups like the Weldon Clemency Project, who we work with, mm-hmm. um, you know, pushing the Biden administration to really do something about it. Is something we're really passionate about, and and I know is a huge part of why Mike is also doing what he does. He talks about it every every day. He sits there yeah. and tells me, you know, we'll be sitting in my backyard smoking, and he's like, "This is fucking crazy. We're sitting here smoking yep. this, and yet there's so many people still in jail to, for the same thing. You know, it's wild. I mean, yeah, I've heard so many different guys' stories of being put away for ten plus years for 
five hundred dollars oh, worth yeah. of weed. It's like no, like you can walk into a dispensary and buy that. Third strike situation, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, so. it's pretty bad. It really is frustrating. But, and what I mean, I guess what you know, I mean, so there's various efforts to deal with you know incarceration and expungement of of records and things like that of convictions. I mean, what is this? How do we actually get this to happen? I mean, what's been your sense from an industry point of view? Like, what do we need to do from the business side? To really fix the social injustice that we've we've had as an industry, I think we everybody just needs to do their part. Everyone needs to be pushing. I mean, yes, it helps to have Mike and all these celebrities send their letters. Sure, and, but but that, I mean that's one part. I think there's so many parts of this, and everybody needs to do their part to again to to help get the message across and get the the get Washington on board. I mean, it's it's. It's frustrating that you you just don't hear enough about it. You don't you don't see, or at least I don't feel enough of an effort being put towards it. And there's more of a focus on penalizing, you know, for for, for late cannabis tax payments. Or there's there's they're focusing on the wrong things, and it just yeah. frustrates me that yeah. there's so much time and money and effort put into so many distractions where where they could shift that focus and again really do good by by a lot of the wrong that's already been done yeah, yeah. you you mentioned the whole federal legalization i'm curious how you see this market you know kind of reacting to if we really get uh, uh Federal legalization or decriminalization or descheduling, rescheduling of of cannabis, like how how is this really going to shape the market? I mean, states have put a lot of money and effort into setting up their local economies and licenses, and you know, I'm sure Vermont is not going to want influx of Humboldt County weed like flowing into <laughs> its borders. Like, how do you see states reacting? How do you see kind of business like yours kind of navigating, you know, a, a federally legal market, but potentially still regulated state by state situation? So federal legalization, I think it it needs to happen. I don't. And, and the, I think it also, you know, decriminalization needs to happen every across the nation, uh, which will come with federal legalization and all that will play a part in, again, just cannabis related tax revenues for the country. I don't think that's going to change the interstate commerce. I think the, I think everything still stays within a, your state unless you're, if you're, let's say you have a grow in Michigan and you also have a grow in New Jersey or wherever. I mean, New York to New Jersey, yep. you should be able to transfer within your company. I just don't feel because like you said with all the money and time and effort yeah. uh, that everybody's put into each state and again i did it in florida i set up a, a, ma- a facility in 40 stores and then had to do it again in another state yeah. i don't see them due to everything that's been put into it i don't see them opening that up but i do mm-hmm. see them again loosening once federal legalization happens there'll have to be a a, a clear line written where you know Rules and regs are still state determined because yeah. of the diff. It's such a drastic difference in every state, right? Yeah, you exactly. Couldn't, you yeah. couldn't just open up the floodgate and say we're federally legal. Everybody's got the same rules. It just wouldn't work. Um, yeah. Operating in twenty plus states and seeing the difference in every state and uh, even mic bites. I can't sell mic bites in Colorado <laughs> because it's an ear. Yet I can sell a square with a bite out of it. I mean, yeah. like there's just. There's just so know, much. It is fascinating all the little yeah. regulatory twists that happen. Yes, and some of it makes no sense because you got you know people in an office creating these rules yep. that have never smoked a joint or yep. seen an edible or know what it is. They're still calling it devil's lettuce. I mean, um, <laughs> so so it's 
it's it's yeah i think there's a lot of education to be had still um and i just wish people were more open to again being educated and understanding what it is we're selling what we're doing and the real purpose here it's not about the money it's about getting plant-based medicine to the masses and and getting people off of all this other crap i mean we also signed i'm sure you heard rick flair um brought him on board and he it it stuck with the authentic well there's two parts to it they're both very nostalgic rick and mike but the fact that rick sat there and cried to me and explained he wishes he said to me i wish i met someone like you he says years ago that introduced me to edibles because he's been popping pills for over 30 years he said yeah 30 years popping these these xanax and he says he can't sleep without it The second he got on edibles, he doesn't need those anymore. I mean, it's a plant-based medicine that that really could, I mean, just imagine what that's doing to your liver. Oh, God, it's. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's fascinating. I mean, it's, for for a lot of people, it's life-changing, right, when they they get off these other opioids and and, uh, pharmaceuticals. And then a good friend, I'm I'm not sure if you know Scott Storch, music producer, big hip-hop music producer. He did everybody from Jay-Z, Beyonce, Justin Timberlake. But he opened a a rehab center in L.A. called THC. It's called The Healing Center. And it's to get people. (laughs) Nice. They use cannabis. Yeah. get people off of other drugs. Yeah. Um, and again, a lot of people may say, you know, it's still a drug, but I look at it as a medicine. Well, I mean, caffeine's a drug. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I think it's, it's just a matter of time. Like I said earlier, it's a, a when, not an yeah. if, um, yeah. this whole, the federal legalization does pass. And yeah. our, I, I, we will see, in my opinion, uh, the Safe Banking Act prior to, yeah, I hope so. This the, the yeah. federal legalization. Much needed. Much needed. Adam, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Tyson 2.0, what's the best way to get that information? Absolutely. So you can check us out on Instagram at it's Tyson20. Um, you can find myself at Adam B. Wilkes, W-I-L-K-S. And then if you're looking for any Tyson 2.0 merchandise, we got some really cool stuff on our website at shoptyson20.com. And really appreciate uh, you having me here today, Bruce. Thank you. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'll make sure all the information is in the show notes. People can click through and get it. Adam, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Bruce. Have a great day. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.